Hi, this is David Sweet, founder of Focus Core, and I'd like to invite you to take a look at our 2024 salary guide. It's a great resource for hiring APAC professionals wanting to know about the salaries for executive positions within Japan, as well as finding out information of what's important to attract the best talent in Japan. The salary guide is found on our website under About Salary Guide 2024. I hope you find this information useful for you and your company. Now, on to our podcast. You understand how your customer feels, how your client feels, then you'll be successful. Welcome to the Focus Core podcast. I am again welcomed by having Hisato Wakaizumi joining me for a part two. Welcome, Hisato. Thank you, David. So for those who have not listened to our previous chat, uh, give us a brief introduction to yourself. Yes, thank you. Uh, So my name is Hisato. And I was born and raised in Tokyo, and I went to the university in the U.S. and came back to Japan. I have been working for uh, Focus Core for about three years in charge of finance and accounting and uh, mainly director or above level. Yeah, so thanks for having me today. Well, thank you for uh, agreeing to do this again. And uh, I loved our last chat. So let's let's kind of continue where we left off last time we were kind of talking about career lessons what what's the most important lesson you've learned in your career Hisato thank you um so I'm not sure if this is a lesson or not but I I think my the most important thing I learned in this career is I learned what what I enjoy and uh, still, I'm exploring what I enjoy in my life. But I had the moment of, you know, this is the direction I need to go. Mm. So, like at one of the company, one I made placement at uh, one of the European luxury company, and I was following up with the client to see how my candidate are doing, and uh, the client said, you know. He's doing great, and his uh, colleagues tells him like he 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 had he he doesn't really do a good recruiting for his company usually, mm-hmm. but you've done the best job for this one, yeah. And then he he appreciated me for that, and you know that that kind of excited me, and I was like, oh, this is what I want to do, you know, like I want people to appreciate mm-hmm. me <laughs> i don't know if that sounds too aggressive but uh yeah i i learned what i enjoy at work so that was the biggest learning i've had that's that's awesome yeah being appreciated in, in your in your work and being able to get that feedback mm. is is wonderful we 
we're lucky in in recruitment that we get to work with great companies and make an impact in their company. We work with people who are sometimes really stressed out if they're changing jobs. That's a big life choice that mm. you know they're thinking about their spouse and their families and their children and what's going to happen. Mm. And so we get to assist them. And then you're assisting your own company and your own team. And it's yeah. there's there's a lot of love going around when recruitment. Love, love going mm. around. I love mm. it. Mm. I, I, so it's been a wonderful career for that. Are, and most people just fall into it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so carrying on that, what do you think is the most important personality trait strength that someone would need to be, to work in, in recruitment and be successful at your job? Uh, for my job, I think the important Personality is curiosity. Mm. Love that. That's great. Yeah. I, in this industry, like, I mean, could be important for any type of job, but uh, there are a lot of competitors, right? And to win the competition, I think, in, in my opinion, you always have to get better. And if you have curiosity, then you'll be always wondering how you can get better, how you can uh, provide better service Mm. and how you can make your clients or candidates happy. So yeah, that's why I think curiosity is important. Mm. I love that. That's, that's a huge, uh, huge one for any business. I think Mm. I mean, it's one of our focus core. It's one of our values, right. Is to, you know, continuous learning um Mm. and that's an important value but the not only learning but just the curiosity that goes into learning and why we're doing it is wonderful and the curiosity i i'm always interested when i go into consulting with a company just curiosity what's going on in their in their world to grow their company and what they're looking for and that and how they see that manifesting, because it's sometimes very different than what say the the recruitment reality of it is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so many companies coming into Japan saying, "Well, we want to hire a a thirty two year old unicorn, multicolored," uh, and you're just going, "Yeah, not not a lot of those are going around right now." So, curious where you can push and pull mm. for each company. Because some companies will say, well, we can give up on the language or, you know, some positions allow for that. Others don't. So Mm. it's interesting. I like how you've manifested your curiosity into gathering some exceptional CFOs Mm -hmm. together. And so, you know, our last conversation, this conversation is really circled around uh, your chats with CFOs. But before we dive into that, let's talk about webinars. Um, Mm. To my mind, your webinars that you've hosted, you've put together, you do an exceptional job. Um, Thank you. Really organizing it, um, advertising it, but also finding out about the people you're meeting with and then sharing their life and their skills. You wrote some great articles on these people before then you set them down in a webinar where people can mm-hmm. learn and listen. What's, what's your advice for, you know, 
people going out and putting together a successful webinar? Mm. Okay. So I think the reason I, I put this webinar together is I was thinking, how can I make my clients and candidates happy other than making placements, right? Mm. Help Helping uh, them, helping their changing jobs. And that's why I came up with sharing info and not from, not only from myself, but, you know, the live, you know, so someone who's uh, performing well in their industry. Mm. So I think the most important thing is thinking how, what people wants to hear, mm. what, what people wants to know. So that's like providing value for your candidates and clients, right? So, yeah, I think that's the most important thing, how you can provide value. Mm. That's great. What, what's the value add that you think your clients and candidates are looking for most? Mm. So I think there's not a lot of opportunity to talk with CFOs and in a different industry, in a different company for one and a half hour. I think mm. that's a very rare opportunity. And people always wonder, asking me, you know, how can I be a CFO in the future? And people are always wanting to get advice on that. And if you can get that advice, you know, from someone who's already became a CFO, that's mm. the best advice, right? Yeah. And not always your, you know, not always your own advice, but uh, just an option to see. And it's just like uh, you don't get advice from someone who's, not married and and you know how how can i get married <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh yeah so someone who's already successful in their career and asking that kind of question so i i thought that was the value i could i could provide because mm -hmm. we have a lot of connections in this industries yeah that cross cross uh, fertilization and learning from those people is wonderful and then the 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 interaction between the the speakers is always interesting as well because they play off each other. Mm. Uh, in uh, the webinar we have up on our website, so if anybody is curious, they can go and, and look at that. And we'll we'll post a link to that in the, the notes. But you had some interesting uh, guests. One of them, uh, Chie uh, Ikigawa-san, um, she's, she's wonderful. I love the title of her book. Um, <laughs> Role, knowledge, and skills of management accountants. Evolution from bean counter to FPNA business partner. That's awesome. Hmm. Um, she describes well the differences between Japanese and Western companies. So maybe you could uh, kind of summarize that for our listeners. Yes. Uh, I hope I get this right. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Other Chia-san's Chie going to come out and... Uh, yeah, <laughs> us. yeah, but I, I think she describes that uh, main difference is the structure. 
So like US or European companies have structure based on functions. Mm. So they have C-level executives in HQ and they create business functions under them. And uh, so the traditional, on the other hand, the traditional Japanese companies have structure based on business units or sometimes a subsidiary. Mm. And so what happens when they have a structure based on business unit or a subsidiary or I think one, it's hard for HQ to manage all the business units. Mm. And two, each business unit has different workflow, uh, different system. And uh, as, as they work independently and make decisions by themselves. And uh, the last the last one is they will have generalist, not a specialist, mm. as they work for one business unit or a subsidiary, and then they never move between the whole group. Mm-hmm. And they also have like rotated system in the subsidiary or business unit. So sometimes they have to, you know, move from HR to finance and there to supply chain and then they don't have the specialization at the end so the difference is you know if they are uh, function based or a business unit based mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a big difference right so and what's your mind is the benefits or the disadvantages to each so let's start with so the generalist, mm. how do you see that as, you know, your candidates going into companies? What's kind of, what are they bringing to, to the table as their superpower? But what mm-hmm. is their kryptonite? What is their weakness as well? Mm-hmm. So the strengths will be, they have different view of, you know, business, right? So they understand the business well and you know, like sometimes it's important to understand different functions, not only the finance and accounting. Mm-hmm. And if they understand HR, they can, you know, uh, communicate well with other uh, functions. So that's strength, I think. And mm-hmm. weakness would be just a specialization, right? So it they have less time period of working as a specialist than someone who has experience as a specialist yeah so let's let's flip that to western counterparts um in you know american or or western companies what what do you see is their strength their sales point versus and their kryptonite Mm. so i think the strength is of course the specialization but uh like i like ikegasa mentioned Mm. you know they're function based so like they have seen how the hq manages all the business units Mm. so they understand how the company uh, should direct the business unit and they can use that for their business unit like Mm -hmm. break it into smaller parts right and weakness hmm, would be I think 
sometimes if I have to say something like it, sometimes they have mm, like limited view mm. in their specialization. So like it's I think it's related to what uh uh the the, the it, what CFO said in the previous webinar, like mm -hmm. having a conceptual, uh, conceptual view, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, so without having like different function experience, like it might be hard to have that kind of conceptual uh, view. Yeah, yeah, I see that. To break that out a little bit, I. Mm. You know, in you, you see people have worked in Western companies and even Japanese nationals who've kind of gone their career in Western companies and then they shift into a Japanese company. Mm -hmm. They lack a couple, like you said, they lack that big picture. Mm. And and when they're speaking to their counterparts within the company. It's a, they feel that. Mm -hmm. And there's a lack of understanding to be able to move their function. And, mm -hmm. and they're just stuck in that, which mm -hmm. I think is, is a great challenge. If you're, if uh, a candidate's moving between a Western or a Japanese style of company, because I, I mean, there's some Western companies in Japan that are very Japanese inside, right? Right. So these are some gross generalizations, but um, it's I've seen you can see a lot of uh, candidates that try to go either either side. It's it's a it's a difference. The other big challenge I see is that a lot of Western leaders come into Japan want to hire young talent because mm -hmm. they're they're energetic and they have that specialization, whereas they don't. Because, mm. uh, like you said, we do the Japanese companies do job rotation. So, you know, they've been marketing for two years, they've done accounting for two years, uh, they're going overseas for another three, and then they're coming, you know, the, the, they could go to Hokkaido for a couple of years working in a factory. <laughs> it could be all kinds of stuff, right? Right. Um, and you just, by the time they're 30, they've had a variety of experiences, but not necessarily a finance specialization. Mm. Right, they know how to work a an Excel program pretty well, and and you know push numbers through through a through the budget system. So, mm -hmm. what um, now? Ishikawa Ikegawa-san had a. She continues to talk about the differences and benefits between FP&A professionals versus. CFOs. Now, I thought that was interesting because you usually hear accountants and FPNA. You know, you always put those two together. But she put together for us CFOs and FPNA. Mm. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what her thoughts were on that. Mm -hmm. So she said, you know, CFOs oversee a whole, you know, finance and accounting team, but uh, FPNA professionals can be closer to the business and become a business partner for the business unit. And also at the same time for the CFOs, uh, becoming a business partner for the CFOs to mm. support their uh, decision makings. So 
in the webinar, she talks many points about what you need to do to be a good FBNA. But uh, I liked one of her story, and you need. She said you need to be a crowd. You need to be in a crowd of sheep, but you don't want to be a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and you be in a business unit yeah. and spend a lot of time with them and understands about the the business. But uh, don't forget that you're a, a finance professional. Hmm. And sometimes you have to guide the whole crowd of sheep to the right way, like a shepherd dog, yeah. how you say. Shepherd dog, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the benefits of FBNA is they understand business more closely and can act as a business partner. Mm, mm, mm. I like that. That's uh, that's why I think we were talking last time a lot about communication and and the importance of that for leadership. And so I think sometimes you'll talk to a sales team and the sales team think they know exactly what's going on, mm. but they need to be able, the FP&A folks need to be able to partner and understand where the, the sales team's coming from, but be able to guide these sheep, right? <laughs> <laughs> Right. We always think it's the other way around because the you know the <laughs> sales teams that that's the engine that's moving the 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 automobile that you know and whereas you know the FPNA is saying you know here's we need to work on the profitability and here's where we need to cut something or mm. you know this is not a profitable uh, um, product we need to take a look at that so I I just found that was interesting mm. which kind of leads us into um, your talk with uh, Toshiyuki Tachibana-san, uh, mm. who's the CFO of Getting, and he was uh, he was talking about these challenges around you know the production and customers and uncertainty, but in the impact of COVID. Mm. Um, talk a little bit around how not only just the impact of COVID, but the challenges as the CFO, and and that uncertainty. Mm. Thank you. So. He explained due to COVID-19, they needed to plan and act faster mm, or mm, quicker because mm. of the uncertainty. Uh, for example, the hospital needs more equipment, and but they had delays on supply chain. There's a lot of uncertainty that, that they cannot expect mm. on sales and, and so that they had to make plan and act faster. Mm. And he explained Japan market is very unique anyway. Doesn't matter COVID or not. So it's important to explain about Japan market in detail and with the evidence or numbers. So so the HQ can understand Japan market and give us the budget. Mm. On one of his side uh, in the webinar, he said to he 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 explained to the the HQ that uh, please don't kill a goose laying golden eggs. <laughs> <laughs> and and on on the side he he has all the detailed info and everything and yeah. he explained well about how Japan is beneficial uh-huh. and and can be successful. And by explaining in detail they got a budget by negotiating with their hq right mm-hmm. mm. 
So that's important to explain. Yeah, I think I've um, worked with some CEOs who, you know, I, I think I talked about this in a podcast. They're the they're trying to persuade home office HQ mm. that ah, oh, Japan's so different. But it's just having the numbers there just make it so much easier, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a huge lesson that if I could uh, give one to leadership in Japan that has to work with HQ, have the numbers in black and white. Mm-hmm. And, and so you can stand and build a numbers context. And that's for CEOs, for HR, uh, any senior leadership that has to deal with overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, the last guest you had was... Uh, um, Hirofumi Namba from Schneider Electric. Um, and I, I really liked his discussion. He was talking about internal career development versus external career development. Um, how would you consult people in searching for roles in their current company versus looking outside their organization for uh, uh, job improvement? Mm. I think the first advice would be of course look for internal opportunities first and then you know look outside after that Mm. Uh, and when you look outside like always it's it's very important to take memos on what you why you need to change job like why you can't make that dream in inside of your company because when you're getting close to the offer stage people will get nervous and start to notice details like salary the company's moving slow for your offer starting date and you know your friend said about the company you know like they are not a good company or whatever but always important to remember why you are changing job and make decisions based on if you can achieve your, you know, the reason mm-hmm. and your target you had originally. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do it, then even if the can- candidates are excited about getting salary raise or working for a big name company, we sometimes have to say that this is not going to solve your problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so for, for advice to the candidates, like who's, you know, changing jobs, it's always important to know your original reasons why you're looking for a new job. Yeah. Outstanding advice. Outstanding. Um, yeah. I would highlight all of that for anybody going to look for, a, a job. When someone comes into my office looking for a new job, one of the first questions I ask them is, have you talked to your boss? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so often people are dissatisfied with their current position, but they haven't explored the opportunities with, or, or they're scared. Mm. And But they're not so scared that they would leave to another company that they don't know what's good or bad about it, right? At least in the, a person's current company, you know what's good and bad. So it's it's fairly secure, right? And you got tenure, you know where you're at. And, you know, sometimes you just as simple as raising your hand for a project. It can mm. improve your whole work 
in, right. in just a simple question, can I help? Can I add this system into the, the company? Oh, yeah, I'd love it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who just are very absolute thinkers when it comes to job changing. So I, I, I love that you said that. The other thing is um, I, I don't see many candidates that write down why they want to change their job. And I think putting it down on words so that they can look back on it later helps. Exactly. Like you said, it does shift. I often ask candidates, your next job, you can kind of see what you're going to get. You, you know what your skill sets are. Mm. But what's your job after this one? Mm. And start thinking about that next next job. And what do you want that job to look like? And if they do that, then you can start, then they should start being able to connect some dots. Is the move internally in their own company or is it a move external? And then if they do move external, does the company that they're working for provide that third, that next opportunity, that next, next opportunity, or are they going to have to make another job change to another company after that? Um, So I think that's, that kind of shifts someone's thinking. So they're, they're thinking also outside the box. So um, yeah, that's, I love that. So summarize, we'll just, uh, just to put those in a nice uh, bow around that. Talk to your current company before you change your jobs, write mm-hmm. down why you want to change jobs and think about what you want after the job change. What's that next, next job. Mm. This is good stuff, uh, Hisato. I, I recommend everybody go back and watch the webinars. Um, what maybe to put a bow on our, our conversation as well? What has surprised you through all your interviews with your CFOs? What what's your takeaway? Mm, there's a lot, but uh, <laughs> I think the biggest surprise I had was uh, more than a half of CFOs mm. didn't have the image of them being a CFO when they started their career. Like before I was talking to CFOs, I was imagining, you know, CFOs are super smart and they had the career plan for all their life and mm. they they had the perfect career, right? But sometimes they started their career as a sales. Sometimes they started their career as an HR sometimes. And, you know, like, Many people I talk to ask me, like, what do you need to be certified? What skills do you need to do? You know, do you need to have MBA or CPA? You know, but many CFOs I interviewed tells me that uh, they were just doing their best at each times. Mm. And, you know, they were doing what they could do. And so, like, I kind of learned if I need to face the reality. (laughs) Mm. Of course, it's important to have the career plan, but, you know, do what you can do now. And if you, you know, if you face the reality and do your best and dream will come later. Mm. So that's the most surprising thing Mm. I had. So the the opportunities arose after, but so far the that they might have a little bit of a vision, but not 
Mm. It's really focused on what they're doing right now. Exactly. With with that kind of dream in mind. That's great. Question for you. Let's uh I would jump into a couple of personal questions before I <laughs> okay. leave today. Who's been your most important professional mentor? We haven't talked about this ahead of time, so I'm I'm curious to. Uh, I think I have a lot to mention, but uh, um, if I have to say one, then that would be, his name is, I don't know if I can mention, but his name is Bondido. Like he, mm-hmm. he was a mentor throughout my college life. So, so I went to the U.S. Uh, for by, by myself for mm-hmm. college, right? And he helped a lot of things. Like you know, if you don't have a car, I, I didn't know. Like if you don't have a car in the U.S., like yeah. you you can't go anywhere <laughs> outside of campus, right? Yeah. And you know, he took me everywhere. And some sometimes I broke my car in yeah. the middle of like a Rocky mountain yeah. when I was doing a road trip and he came all the way from Alabama to Rocky mountain to help me out. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, like when I have any difficulties or challenges, like I always try to think in a way, like what would he do? Like if it was him and yeah, it's been very helpful for me, you know, being a professional, you know, act as a professional because he's one of the story. Can, can I share one story? Absolutely. <laughs> I love the Rocky Mountain story. Keep going. <laughs> like he, he, so he owns, he, he owns the company and his company makes like furnitures to display the products mm-hmm. for like a, you know, luxury brands. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he sometimes goes to the factory and check, you know, everything is all right. Mm-hmm. And when I, when he was checking the machine, like one of his employee pushed the button <laughs> and then his, uh, how do you say th- this finger, the ring one finger. of his, yeah, ring finger got into the, the machine. And he lost his finger. Mm. And the one who was screaming was his employer, <laughs> employee. <laughs> and he, he was not even screaming. Mm. And like he he acts like very not not professional, but uh matured way, or like mm. because of these things he always do like people kind of trust him and people listens to him and he creates great people relationships so i want to do that for my job and i want to do that for my friendship and then family Mm. and that's why i always try to think what would he do like in this situation wow he sounds like an incredible individual Mm. very stoic but uh uh yeah, the, just the story of coming out from Alabama to help you out in in the Rockies. Uh, that's it's quite a friendship and quite a um, person that really comes out and cares about people, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. Those are, those are fantastic. And uh, so for your career so far, what's uh, one lesson your job's taught you, you think everyone should learn some time in their life? Uh, I don't think I'm old enough to say like, you know, you should learn this. <laughs> but uh, what I have learned so far and I'm still learning is thinking from the other side. Mm. And for example, like I mentioned during the offer, you know, people get nervous because of that will change their life. Mm. But sometimes, you know, because, you know, it's about uh, money or like making sales for recruiters. Like we, we, we sometimes forget how they feel and, you know, push too much or whatever. So I try to think from their side why they're feeling nervous, like what do they want and how I can make them happy. And I think this is important for any type of jobs. And if you understand how your customer feels, how your client feels, then you'll be successful. Hmm. So, yeah, I've been very curious to learn about this. That's great. Empathy is a, a wonderful, mm. wonderful thing. So I invite our, our listeners to uh, add comments to Hisato and uh, my conversation. What what life lessons uh, that they've had that they think uh, they sh- that others should learn in their life. Uh, I think that would be lovely to hear what uh, our listeners think as well. But I think empathy is going to be up there on all of them. I, uh, it's been, I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned in sales in management and in life in general is mm. just understanding the other point of view. Right. So, mm. well, thank you, Hisato. You've been very generous with your information. You've been very generous in giving value to our clients and candidates, uh, who are able to participate in your webinars and learn from these exceptional individuals. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. 